0: Tuned in to season four of the Lunch Break Podcast, where business pros go to share their stories on their lunch breaks. And now, your host, Mason. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy Mason, uh, the co host of the Lunch Break Podcast. And I have the pleasure of having. Shannon Sellis, Mm -hmm. and she grew up in Florida. Right now, she lives in Chicago, um, and she's in the technology sales industry. So, welcome. Welcome, Shannon.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much. How's it going?
0: It's going good. It's going good. Um, You know, when I was uh, looking at your LinkedIn profile, (laughs) I noticed that you and I have something in common. Um, Our journeys are not one sided it's 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 kinda um versatile. Yeah. And um you know, things like you're a personal chef, you're a teacher, you were a teacher, you got into massage therapy. Um now you're in a technology sales. So what has drew you to that journey? How tell us a little bit about your background and your journey.
1: Um well I was in school originally for business administration at Florida State and um, I went I wanted to do an entrepreneur uh, entrepreneurial route. I was planning on maybe having my own business at some point and um, I plowed through my classes and um, a little bit of a slowdown happened and I decided to go to massage school. I've had a lot of people in my life that have told me I have a gift with touch and I wanted to see what I could do with it and I attended massage school 2006 and I've been a licensed therapist ever since. I then started practicing massage for a couple of years, jumped out over to Maui for a few years as well and practiced there. Um, came back to finish my degree in Florida. I you know was a health healthcare administration uh major at UCF. Yeah. It was it was kind of a fallback, you know, kind of degree. I wanted to know that if anything ever happened, I I could transition into something that would allow me to be, uh, at least have a position because healthcare is not going anywhere anytime soon. Um, but it turns out I don't do well in hospitals and there are plenty of other back end, you know, back of house positions I could have gone into, but um, it wasn't the right path, but it was still a good, a good path. And then, um, I decided I wanted to leave the U.S., and I got my certification to become a, an English teacher abroad, English, ESL. Yeah. I moved out to Thailand for a year and then jumped over to South Korea and stayed there for maybe five years or so.
0: Wow.
1: Yeah, and then um, while I was out there, Teaching is something I'm passionate about and great at, but <laughs> I don't have patience for children Turn. <laughs> <out>. <laughs> I do. I'm great with kids, but only a few and uh, for a certain amount of time. Um, and gotcha. as long as homework isn't involved, we're good. Um, right. <laughs> right. So I uh, started transitioning out of the teacher pr- position, and I saw that there was kind of a little, um, uh, there was an underlying theme in, in my time abroad that people missed home. And what they missed the most was mom's cooking or mm. being able to get a burger that didn't have some weird ingredient or a pizza that didn't have French fries and salad and mayonnaise on top. And um,
0: <laughs>
1: and so I started cooking and cooking for my friends and with my friends. Then I started getting hired to cook for their parties. And then people started asking me to create meals for their regular, everyday life, so I ended up starting Shannon from Scratch, which is, was, both? a um
0: That's a catchy name.
1: Yeah, Shannon from Scratch, because everything I did basically was from scratch. Um, I learned how to make pasta from scratch, and that was how I kind of got started. I sold dips and homemade lasagnas at, like, expat markets.
0: Lasagna is my favorite.
1: Lasagna is, uh, if you don't like lasagna, get out of here. Um, <laughs> No, but I, uh, started making these, this food and people would order. And it got to the point where every, if not every weekend, every other weekend, I was attending these markets all around South Korea to sell my food. And people would start following me on social media to order food. And basically all of these freshly and daily harvest and all these things that people order now is what I did in Korea, but I did personalized meal prep services. Yeah. And, um, to side, you know, to side hustle. That I did voice acting, um, and a little bit of teaching to keep me in the country. <laughs> um, and then one day, everything kind of uh, disappeared, and I came back to the states. Jumped over to uh, what I knew best, which is hospitality, and kind of took everything I knew um, from administration to um, you know teaching and everything, and put it into um, a hotel admin position. That actually, I don't know if I put this down there or not, but um, I ended up winning employee of the year for my, uh, for my hotel within my first year and a half with them. And that got me projected into a position. They, they said, basically, which direction do you want to go? And I said, sales. And that got me recognized up here in Chicago. I moved up here just over a year ago and started as a sales coordinator. Uh, position didn't work out for various reasons and um, kind of a blessing in disguise that it didn't work out because I wouldn't have that job now if I hadn't left it. And uh, I started with um, this BDR position back in January.
0: Yeah, you know, um, we definitely have similar things in common. (laughs) I I never went abroad, but um, so my first job was at a hospital. You know, and just to give a little context, my, I was I was reared, reared to be either a doctor, a lawyer, or become a millionaire, whether that's, you know, through being a rapper or um, starting my own business. So sure, you're not Jewish? <laughs> I might be. You never know. I mean, Drake is one of my favorite um, artists, so maybe I got some Jewish in me. True. Uh, but uh, yeah, so... I, so I'm like, okay, let me try working at a hospital. Worked there for three years. I was in the radiology department. I was helping x-ray technicians. I was like an x-ray assistant. And, you know, there's the ER, there's blood. And, you know, yeah. people are, a lot mm-hmm. of times they're telling you about the things they're going through with their illness. And, and I'm a very, I'm an empath. Mm-hmm. I know my communication style is more direct than, you know. I get to the bottom line, but overall I'm a huge empath, like how people feel. I feel it. Yeah. But I got to a point where I'm like, you know, this is not what I want to do. I can't be at a hospital day in, day out. I'm like, and so for those reasons, I'm out. So I went to, I left um, healthcare and I got into the construction industry. I'm like, what's the manly thing to do? Construction. (laughs) So for three years I did window cleaning, power washing, gutter cleaning, um, you know demolition, stuff like that. Wow. And I got pretty good. And then after a while, I started having more interaction with, with clients and stuff, and I'm like, I like this client interaction thing. I, lo- I love people. So then um, someone nudged me into you know getting into you know life insurance. I did life insurance sales. In the Rochester office, Rochester, New York office I was in, I was number one six months in a row. Nice. But people on the same level as me. And then I thought about being a financial advisor, actually. Hmm. But um, when I moved to Buffalo, um, I started a hair company with my ex-wife, and we ran that together. So I know a thing or two about hair, more than a man should, (laughs) and cosmetology and makeup and all this stuff. Uh, I know too much, but I um, ah, disagree. Did that for three years, and you know, I did the marketing, the sales, and some of the behind the scenes operations and stuff. And then um, moved back home. I got into property management. Then you know, quarantine came. Right now, I am unemployed, but um, just figuring things out um, during this time period. But uh, my journey, similar to you, my my journey was all over the place. And you know, I was thinking because you and I have that entrepreneur vibe in common. So would you consider the personal chef thing you did, uh, you know, um, what was it, Shannon?
1: Shannon from Scratch.
0: Shannon from Scratch. Would you consider that a business endeavor?
1: Yeah, of course, that and massage therapy also. I was massages by Shannon, you know, kept it simple and um, allowed me to make my own schedule choose my clients and my own, you know, pricing for everything. I had to manage the books, the licenses, the location, you know, being mobile. And um, definitely, definitely an entrepreneur style, you know, it was a a business endeavor. Just um, doing it abroad is a very different story from doing it in the United States.
0: Yeah. And then you did voice acting as a side hustle. What are some of your opinions on side hustles?
1: Every day I'm hustling. Every day, you know, like if you've got if you got the ability, if you have the ability to do something that you enjoy and make some money from it, why the heck wouldn't you? You know, for me, voice acting has always been something I've been into. I've been able to do weird voices and accents and characters since I was a kid. And if I can make money off of that, why wouldn't I? but it's also a matter of balance. You have to know when um, you're pushing, you know, you're burning the candle at both ends. So, you know, I basically, being, a, you know, an independent contractor, being, being a massage therapist and doing all these things I did when I was younger. Oh, I forgot to tell you about this one. This is kind of funny. You'll, you'll get a kick out of it. I uh, also, for a really long time, was um, a hype man if you will a motivational dancer for parties
0: <laughs> like, uh, that hired that's amazing for
1: parties and be like let's get the party started everybody like yeah. break time's you, know? <laughs> you know all the songs and dances um but when you are when i was doing all these things it was uh important for me to be able to stay afloat and by picking up voice acting or picking up massage or it wasn't consistent i didn't have a I didn't have, you know, clients booked morning to night with massage, and I didn't want to because that's a toll on my body and my emotional state, and I needed to be able to balance my life out, so side hustles are, I'm all about it if you can make it work, just don't, you know, lose yourself in it.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, I feel side hustles um, are very crucial, especially with the pandemic going on, I feel, I think almost everyone should have a side hustle, whatever that is. Even if it's you, you know, make chocolate chip cookies and you sell those or, you know, you, don't want you to go at sewing you. and you make T-shirts and you sell those for five. I don't, I don't, I don't it don't matter what it is. I feel like um, everyone should have that. Even if it's just to learn a skill and I think that could also be an asset.
1: Well, there's, you know, thing, though, you learn
0: things as, through a side hustle that you could like, look at have a perspective and solve a problem as a as an employee too
1: right you can apply the lessons and the experiences you've had however there is it should be noted that there is a difference between hobbies and side
0: hustles because that is correct
1: everybody has learned how to make sourdough bread and i love all my friends but i'm not going to buy all of their sourdough bread this is true you know I'm glad, you know, so-and-so started to knit. And if you, if you make a product that is worth buying, then, yeah, I'm going to support you. But I, I think a lot of people also mistake that the side hustles or these hobbies that they try to make money off of end up – they kind of depend upon their friends and network to support them, and that's not always a healthy relationship. No
0: not
1: at all pressure to put to someone you know
0: yeah for sure um <laughs> and then you mentioned you you wanted something to fall back on you know the song lean back lean I mean, back but you wanted to fall back <laughs>
1: that's basically what so I you did.
0: feel back you fell back on that so i, I, I thought that was pretty
1: cool i have enough skill sets behind me and positions and experience that if any if anything ever goes wrong i will always be able to get into something else
0: yeah so you know, when I'm looking at you know you, personal chef background teaching, mm. and uh, you grew up in Florida, yep, and you was into <laughs> massage therapy. How does someone like you get into hip hop? You know, we got the hip hop and sales challenge, mm. and you know you're doing your thing, yeah. spitting bars like a pro.
1: And <laughs> make things up. How
0: does how does how does a, a teacher, yes. massage therapist, personal chef? get into a hip-hop and sales challenge?
1: Well, I actually can draw a line to all of this because that is one of my little special skills is finding ways for everything to be connected. Um, Being a teacher, I worked with a lot of young kids and we had to come up with ways for them to remember anything. And rhyming is a really great way, especially when you're teaching phonics and everything. So um, when I was in, you know, when I was in Asia and I was teaching kids, I was trying to come up with little fun it's uh, to remember. So you know, I remember coming up with this phases of the moon type of thing, and uh, the kids would sing, would go bananas of. Or them teaching pronouns, and you know, like na 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 na. I would take that and I turned it into pronouns, 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 and the kids would respond to me: he, she, it, and I, you, we, they. So anytime someone would say pronouns, they would all sing out together. Pronouns, 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 and finish it. And they learned their pronouns that way. So it was, um, you know, that's part of the creativity with it. Hip-hop itself, I've been, I may or may not have been, like, really into some hip-hop and R&B when I was younger. And I had, yeah. um, you know, my group of friends was def- were definitely into either musicals or hip-hop and R&B. <laughs> it was, like, a couple country friends. But um, for the most part, you know, I... I grew up listening to, you know, In Vogue, and listening to Boys to Men, and I'm, um, you know, I know there's um, a lot of other, obviously, artists and in, in hip-hop with that. I am not great with music, and I'm good at singing and, and, and identifying, you know, musical talent, but I'm not great at remembering artists' names, really, so... Um, I couldn't tell you half the people I listened to when I was younger or still listen to now. Um, But I think just, uh, you know, growing up with that, you know, my, my core group of friends growing up were super into like Stevie wonder also. So I, I have a lot of Stevie wonder and Michael Jackson, like roots kind of built in and, you know, hip hop really for me, hip hop and sales is just coming up with a topic and getting the rhymes to together with the beat.
0: It's kind of awesome that you're, interested in into hip-hop and like for me what got me into hip-hop and so is like my family dynamic a lot of like a lot of my family like i grew up listening to um you know genuine Mm
1: -hmm. michael Mm
0: -hmm. jackson jordan (laughs) destiny child you know salt and pepper mc light you mm-hmm. know, uh, crisscross, all of them, even yeah. Will Smith, you know, even though he's an actor, he kind of, he tried, he tried, not
1: he tried.
0: But, you know, it's fascinating. Like hip hop has been a part of my life since, you know, growing up and things. And that's what got me into it, just because it's like, honestly, I'm a poet at heart like poetry is actually something I'm more passionate about than writing lyrics. Cause I also write lyrics. I even have like basic music on um, SoundCloud. It's like maybe eight songs or whatever, but my my true passion is poetry because, but there's some similarities between poetry and uh, hip hop and yours, you know, yours have a, when you make your videos, they're more, they have a poetic yet, because I think Kendrick, somebody like Kendrick Lamar, he's very poetic in his mm. raps. So I think poetry and and lyricists kind of go hand to hand. And I think there's a difference between these like mumble rappers and people who make commercial music just to make money. But then there's some people who actually have like depth in their raps. Mm. Um, and I feel like you have that. Like you don't even need a beat, and it's fire.
1: I. It's funny though because one of the differences between me and everybody else that's putting this out there in the hip hop and sales thing is I don't have any beat or background music with it because that is, that actually distracts me and throws me off. And um, so for me, it's, I just need my topic and then even just give me a line and I'll create something from that line and I will um, find the flow with it because, you know, like, poetry you have to pay attention to the syllables that go with it and, and make sure that you have have a little bit of evenness or if if, it, if you're going to switch directions in the middle of a sentence just make sure that the flow is smooth with it so for me it's it's actually really hard to apply some background beat or music so like when like if you were like let's have a showdown I'd be like <laughs> I need time to prepare
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm,
1: not, I'm not as light on my feet that way I'm also yeah. very visual so for me it's um mm-hmm. i will I'll write all of these things down and I'll see that it does or doesn't work
0: yeah uh, you actually inspired me to my round four will be acapella' yeah. it'll be uh, it's gonna be fire I'm gonna I'm a, I'm a post it tomorrow I'm gonna make it to the, make it tomorrow and post it tomorrow. Sure. Um, because, you know, traditionally, like when I write, I like to write with the idea that I'm going to use a user beat, but the organicness of rap, like it was written with the intent not to be beat. Like it used to be two people who are battling against each other. So it was more about the flow mm-hmm. or the punchline or the, you know, metaphor, whatever. So you did, you did inspire me. One thing that I notice is, like, you're pretty much the only woman on LinkedIn that's participating. So far. <laughs> so far. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about being the only woman spitting bars out here?
1: Glad and sad. Glad that I'm, you know, doing it. Sad that there are other women who aren't, you know, participating. But it's not an easy genre to break into as a woman anyways, uh, you know? So, and I think that um, maybe it's a matter of prioritization as well. You know, a lot of women already in sales is, is a, it's a feat on its own as being an, a woman in sales and being taken seriously. But, um, you know, trying to make a brand, uh, uh, you know, build my brand, if you will. But I, I, I'd like to see other women get into it. It's just, it's not something that a lot of women, I think, think about or really get down to. And I think now if we were to do something, I was joking about this earlier, but I think if we did something, a different genre with sales, you know, singing and sales in general, did, you know, a country style song or like, um, like Ryan, Ryan Scalera, is that right? Yeah, yeah, Yeah. You know, he brought a Disney, he brought a Disney tune to it and made a Moana thing. And that was fabulous. I, I did that before this hip hop and sales was even, you know, to my knowledge, at least. And Mm, when, mm -hmm. when pandemic and COVID and remote working happened, I immediately was like, all right, all of these parents are stuck at home watching Frozen, Moana, Frozen 2, probably Little Mermaid at some point. And I just, all of these Disney songs that are, have been ingrained in my memory, I was able to come up with, so many fun and interesting little lyrics for it so when ryan did you know moana he needed the you're welcome song i was like oh man i've had one ready for to go and <laughs> he threw down the um i don't even know what the song is actually called the uh
0: yeah i saw it uh, and i'm like yo that was fire because it's kind of yeah. like it wasn't a remix per se but it's like yeah. you use the melody but put your own words to it and i'm like yo, that was pretty
1: dope Monday that's green is dope. what it's called. Monday green is when you uh either mishear a lyric or you create your own lyrics to something that already exists. And that's Yeah,
0: I do. You know what I'm thinking? And uh, you know, no. James Buckley Okay, <laughs> just listen to me. Listen to me. Listen, Linda. Um Okay. James Buckley one of the things, you know, he may want to consider uh we could keep the hip hop and sell things cuz I think that's the core. Mm. Um, you know it's legendary he has been posting hip-hop and sales type of things for like the last year mm. uh, and then he you know then he started making videos and then now there's a whole community so shout out to the boy James Buckley okay. for keeping this thing going but maybe something that could happen is maybe just call it have hip-hop and sales as one hashtag and the second hashtag for people who are not into hip-hop who might want to join the wave music and sales
1: it's definitely something, though, that then
0: somebody could like. You know, I can imagine somebody that's good with a guitar doing a country song. You know?
1: Yeah, making up. If you have some original music, I don't. I don't see why not. I think you know. I the only reason I hadn't released any of my Disney stuff before was because I was nervous because of the rights.
0: Don't be nervous. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, see yeah. oh, I don't care that, about being nervous okay, like that. Me. I'm not
1: nervous. I don't get nervous. <laughs> I am. Okay, okay, okay. But there's, you know potential legal ramifications you have to be careful oh when it's satire versus parody. Yeah,
0: yeah, there's yeah. a length
1: you can't go more than 30 seconds for this out of the other so there's and that's something that james uh, uh james say what sales buckley and i actually um had a discussion about at one point um so it's it's just a matter of making sure we're not gonna get in trouble for
0: mm, yeah that's that's that's, that's the best thing it's it's tough with, with laws legality oh, and stuff like that Google but site. my thing is this though like people who are out there let's just say there are women out there that was thinking about joining yeah. the hip-hop and sales thing and maybe you're not even like the best rapper but Jeez, i just geez. say have fun with it yeah like i'm i'm on it, i'm doing it because it's just fun like just have fun with LinkedIn. have fun have fun with what you're doing you know even if it's r&b even if you want to do like an r&b type of vibe or a pop type of vibe mm. you know um just go for it just have fun with it I
1: you agree. know i agree that's why i did it was because it was fun when i saw james's james's when i saw james doing his uh video for it i was like what is happening right now? I was like super into it. I'm like, you know what? I can do this. There's no reason for me not to. And I do these videos and stuff anyways, in my outreach, I might as well start creating something with LinkedIn. And, um, I was, I was nervous the first time I did it because I hadn't actually posted a video like that to LinkedIn, but, Mm um, and it was, uh, It was kind of a i I took a a line from his i liked the line that he said um i'm a salesperson, but we're the same person and when Mm. i heard that i was like oh that's my opening line because i know that when you know when you do battles or whatever you kind of pick up what they were and move on so that was my my thinking with that
0: nice nice i like that there's not a
1: lot coming from the bdr sdr side of it you know where where a lot of people don't remember who we are, what we do, and you know, it's all about the AE or, or the VP or this, out of the other. And it's just like, hey, we're here too, and we're working our way up there. And you know, we could, if if this is how we're able to put ourselves out there, then we will, we should, could, if you want to. Not everybody. That's for
0: else sure. Yeah. That's for sure. Now here's here's the haymaker. Mm. Um, the question I ask everybody that come on come on the lunch break podcast. Um, and I'll preface it while you're preparing. The question I'm going to ask you is business is personal. What does that mean to you? So while you marinate on that, just want to give uh, the audience, you know, an update. So, you know, some people that have listened to the Lunch Break podcast, we average between 65 to 85 listeners per episode. And a lot of them are repeat. Sometimes it's more. But um, some people have been listening since episode one. mm mm-hmm. And so, out of respect for them, I just want to say that, um, you know, James Barden, he did episodes one through eighty, which is season one, two, and three, and I'm doing season four, which is going to be episodes eighty-one to a hundred, um, and then we'll monitor. I'm I'm, I'm definitely going to be part of season five, but we'll we'll see how we go on, elevate it. But um, just want to give people an update, like. At first it was sales industry specific, the sales person, the sales journey. Now it's getting non-industry specific and it's more about the raw journey of the person um, and talking about also practical things. Um, So we just add in a little vulnerability to it and we figure, okay, yes, sales is important, but there's so many other industries that we can tap into, um, and get a more broad, but yet specific to ambitious, whether it's entrepreneur, uh, or career professional, yeah. but it's more about the vulnerability and the practicality. So it's the, it's the soft and the toughness of it. So like you and I, you know, we, we talked about your journey, um, and we talked about hip hop and sales and we about got to tap into some other things. So with no further ado, just wanted to say that out of respect for the audience,
1: for Sure.
0: Okay. business is personal has been the theme of season four. That's a personal value that I believe because mm-hmm. there's been times where like you and I are, you know, we had that entrepreneur spirit. Like when I was 18, I'm 27 now, but when I was 18, I wanted to have my own video game. So I, paid this company a lot of money to get the idea going and I didn't read the fine print. So it basically it didn't work out because I was taking advantage of, it. but it's my fault. Cause I didn't read the fine print. Right. And basically what they said to me, Oh, it's just business.
1: Right.
0: Right. That's just not how I roll. So business is personal. What does that mean to Shannon?
1: For me having the businesses that I have had and have been part of business is personal because it is personal. I have, I had built my clientele as a massage therapist. I created uh, these, these meals and the food for people when I was in South Korea, because I was listening to what people wanted and were saying they 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 needed to make their lives easier. And being able to produce that brought, made me personally feel like I was making a difference. And the clients that I had, maybe I didn't have, you know, maybe I didn't give the best massage, but I worked and I, everything I do, I say I personalize everything, you know, I personalize massage massage therapy personalized meal prep and that's that's because it's it is personal to me. So literally my business is personal with massage, you know, I'm not just going to get you on the table and do massage and and kick you out have a great day. Like I I need you to listen to your body and I need to listen to your body to make sure that we are in a a right place and giving giving you what is needed with the intention that's behind it. With um the Meal prep, you know, I, I sold dips and lasagnas and again, it wasn't always, it wasn't always the best stuff. I know there were times when I had a couple of clients that would call me back and say, Hey, this lasagna that, that you made me basically melted in the oven. What the heck that's, they paid for that. They expected a certain quality and I didn't deliver. So in order to keep them coming back, I wanted to make sure I was providing them with the quality service and the quality of the product. And so I would always send them a couple extra lasagnas to say, you know, I'm sorry and thank you for letting me know so I could fix whatever went wrong. In um, hospitality, hospitality is that you're you're giving people a personal experience. And I wasn't front of the house. I didn't work at the front desk. I didn't work at the concierge. I worked in an office in the back supporting the executive team. But I did see all of the emails and all of the calls that that would come in from. Um, either really happy or really disappointed customers. And when a person conducts business, regardless of what that business is, it's a person behind it. And you need to, in my, I think that you should have that kind of connection or or come across with a, being genuine to support whatever it is that they're looking for. Which is why, you know, in my position in sales especially, it's kind of a little battle because I know that I have to um, prospect and I have to qualify people and maybe our product isn't, isn't best for that company. But in my head, I always want to find a way to make it relevant for them, but it's also stepping back and recognizing that they they really don't need it. Or if they do need it, how can I express that? Um, So business is personal because we are people we are persons and a person to person is, is the best kind of relationship. I, I am maybe going against a lot of modern sales styles and books, you know, that are like, you shouldn't be building the relationship. Doesn't matter. Well, you know what? It does because they're going to, they're going to appreciate what we do for each other. And we'll keep that in the back of their mind. Even if it's not no longer relevant to them, they might say, Hey, a referral, Hey, you know, this was a really great company to work with. This person, you know, specifically. Um, right, you know, when I worked for the hotel, I read 3,000 plus comments every month, and it was my job to seek out the comments that and reviews that were left, singling out people that worked in my hotel. And it was a thousand room hotel, so it was not there were quite a lot of people on the staff, and that was. It was wonderful because I get to see how people that I work with impact others and give them the experience that they were seeking.
0: Yeah, you know, two things that stand out Very about you out. said. <laughs> you said connection. You know, we're connected with whether it's our client, um, whether we're an entrepreneur or we a career professional. We, you know, manage in certain situations. We're connected to to them, and then you said we're dealing with people. Um, you know, when I was a community manager at a cowork, I don't know if you ever heard of a cowork, mm-hmm. but I worked for a Metro Cowork, and, um, you know, we, we had workspaces. Um, we have workspace offerings. We also had offices and, um, depending on the person I would find the right fit. But sometimes, honestly, we were not the right fit. So what I would do, like you mentioned, was, okay, I would get to know them, the company, their business needs, and so on and so forth. And I would say, okay, if I were them, what would I want or what would I need? And then I would just be transparent about how my my perception or my analysis, I don't like to use the word opinion. Opinion sounds divisive, so I always say perception or analysis.
1: that's nice.
0: Um, they would tell me what they thought and then you know, we'll we'll go from there. But a lot of times, you know, um, a lot of times they were the right fit, but when they weren't, I would just, you know, communicate that and, and things because like we are dealing with people and, and and you know, people have money and budgets and things and sure companies gotta make money. That's that's just part of it, right? We we need capital, we need profit. But we also have to do it the right way because people are involved; their lives. Um, and even if the product isn't even that expensive, you just don't know on the on the behind the scenes how that can impact them. Yeah. Um, so I always, I always like to start things off on the right foot. And when you start things on the right foot, it just it only lead it only only lead to to foot? huh
1: that it leads to the left
0: foot. Yeah, yeah at least I love it. the good foot, the good foot. <laughs> so thank you for sharing your opinion on that. Of course. Um, another thing we have in common, since we're going to get a little personal is, so I'm mixed, I'm a mixed breed, I'm a Muppet, <laughs> I'm part Jamaican, hmm. my dad's dad is from Jamaica, I've never been there, I wish I was like you and traveled the world. You can't. Uh, you know part Native American, part African. So those, that's my my background. Nice. Now you've traveled abroad, Mm -hmm. you've been in different places. Um, What inspired you to go abroad?
1: My mother is from South Africa. And when she was 16, she traveled to Israel and lived there for a couple of years and then moved to the United States when she was maybe 18 or 19, I think. And um, so I like to say that travel is in my blood and, uh, you know, getting to have an uh, international, internationally inspired upbringing um, definitely influenced that and, you know, my dad is from New York, from Brooklyn. Shout out to Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've been there once, so it doesn't actually work. But um, you know, I've, got, I've got my South African mom and my my New York father. My you know grandparents or great grandparents, I think, came over from uh, Poland? Question mark. Um, They'd probably be ashamed for me not to know. But um, I, I wasn't loving the United States. Can't say that I love it now either, but here I am making things work. But I uh, mm. I knew that I wanted to get experiences uh, in ways that others weren't. I knew that my path wasn't going to be the same as others. I'm not and have never really been the kind of person that was like, by the time I'm 24, I'm going to be married and a <laughs> child. You know, that's not who I am or was or have been or will be. And I knew that the experiences that I wanted and the stories that I wanted to tell later on in my life weren't going to take place by staying in one place. So I'm, I, you know, I I thought I was going to be in New York by the time I was 18. I was super into theater. I thought I was going to move up there and pursue my, you know, my acting career. And then Your rapping career. My rapping career. <laughs> apparently, um, I ended up. Um, you know, people thought I was crazy. But I, when I turned 21, within a month, I was moved to Maui. And everyone was like, what? That came out of nowhere. I was like, not really. I got a job at a hotel six months before knowing that I could transfer to anywhere in the United States uh, with that job. And I told you guys I was moving to Hawaii because I wanted to go somewhere where it was chill and relax and where I could, you know, have a spiritual awakening or, or find find who I wanted to be without the clutter of everything around me. And, yeah. um, and I did. And I spent two and a half years out there and came back and I still wasn't loving Florida and I wanted to experience the rest of the world. And I thought I was again, going to Europe or something. And then, um, an opportunity arose in Thailand. So I, I took it within, you know, within a a couple of weeks, I had a job and a flight booked and a place to stay. And that opened up literally a new world for me where I met, I met all these people who I'm very good friends with now. And all of these fun stories that I have, You know, it's not something, but it's been hard, you know, living abroad. I I have been to maybe a handful of weddings in my entire life because I wasn't able to come back to every wedding Mm. and be part of it. And a lot of times I didn't even get invited because they knew I was living abroad. Oh, we want you to be there, but we know better. So, Mm. okay, thanks. But (laughs) (laughs) um, coming back to the U.S. was the hard, one of the hardest things I've done. I've, I've been through a lot of difficult experiences in my life, but you know, I, I've traveled around the world by myself. I went to Hong Kong. I went to Maldives. I visited the Philippines, uh, Japan. I've been, I've been, I'm on my second passport, like show off moment. But like, I, I did most of these things by myself. I didn't travel with people. I did it because I knew I wanted to. And if I wasn't going to take the steps to do it, I never would. Why would I want to wait around for people who can't decide if they can go or if they can afford it or not? Like if you have the means and you have the will, then do what you needs to get done. And I have all of these incredible memories and experiences and people that I've met. You know, I'm a very outgoing individual. So I know if you drop me off in the middle of nowhere, I'll find somebody to talk to.
0: Yeah, I'm the same way.
1: <laughs> Everybody is always astounded. I've been in this apartment that I've, I'm living in for two months now and I know half the people in the building and everyone's like, I've been in my building for eight years and don't even know my neighbor's name. And I'm like, well, that's your choice. I choose to know the people that I live, live near. And you never know when you might need somebody. And it's, it's good to have that connection. Um, So when I came back to the States though, I had a really, really hard time adjusting. My brain had been so, accustomed to being um it my own voice in my head and Mm. I because I was surrounded by Korean speakers so it wasn't very often that I would you know hear English and when I did my ears would perk up a little bit and I Mm. I know that when I came back to the states it it was very sudden I you know my um I lost my job in Korea and they basically were like if you don't find a job in two weeks your visa is up and I
0: wow.
1: yeah, and it, there was a lot of change happening. And I said, you know what, maybe this is all the signs are coming together. I'm, I'm going to make this move back to the States. And I remember coming back and just being in reverse culture shock. It's a severe thing to go through having this mm-hmm. onslaught of English back in my ears. I couldn't, I couldn't think, I couldn't process things because I was constantly hearing all of this noise. I was, I was distracted by all of the, all of the billboards and all of the signs and all of the, um, all of the television and all of the giant meals. I was, I was, couldn't believe I'd sit down to a, you know, it's a a dinner with my family. And I'm like, why is there three meals on one plate in front of me? Like, how do I, how am I expected to finish this? and feel good about myself. And then if I don't finish it, I don't feel good about myself because I'm wasting food. And, you know, it was a lot of unhealthy food. It was fried food everywhere. And it was, it was giant portions and cheese and sauces slathered. And it just, it kind of blew me away. And then, um, looking for a job was really hard, um, being, you know, over 30 and, not being able to give an English speaking reference for the last five years, you know, people had to take me at my word for it. And, Oh, you don't have experience in this. You don't have experience in that. I'm like, I've got a hundred times more experience than half the people you, you've employed. You just don't know how to leverage my skills. So I ended up having to create, recreate a resume and a cover letter that spoke my story. So people understood where I was coming from and what I was able to offer and that, Uh, admin position wasn't something I was looking for, but it was a paying position, a regular, regular office job that I knew was a step to where I wanted to be. And I was very clear with my, you know, employers when I was interviewing. And when I went in for my admin test, they were like, you're overqualified. You just, you showed us more errors in this memo than you were supposed to. I was like, you asked me to find the errors and Fix, I found them. fix them, you know I found them They're like <laughs> I didn't know half of these were here, and I was like, either you, the person that did it was a very good or you're actually not so great at church <laughs> um you know um and I had to explain my path with every every interview I've ever done, people just like you, your journey is so off the beaten path why why should we hire you and I had to I have to give my story um and explain how the skills and experiences I've had can come together for me to excel in the position that I'm at. And yeah. I don't mind starting at the ground level and working my way up. Um, I know it sets me back. I know my brothers hate that. They want, they're like, you should be going for, you know, a, at least an AE position or you, you could easily be a manager of this, that or the other. I'm like, I don't have that experience to prove. Sure. I managed a managed people, and I managed stuff in Korea, but that doesn't, who are they going to call? They don't, I don't have a boss that they can call, one who speaks English at least, and um, how how do I prove that I have these skills that uh, that they're looking for? And um, I start start at the bottom, and once they realize my potential, they usually will guide me in the direction that is best for me, or I let them know what direction I want.
0: Yeah, you know, you and I have some similarity. Um, on top of the being mixed with Jamaican, um, my mom's side, my mom's mom mom, so my great grandmother is and my grandmother, they're from Little Rock in Hot Springs, Arkansas.
1: Where is I'm Arkansas?
0: Like Southern <laughs> Arkansas is not far from Memphis.
1: I'm just messing with you.
0: Oh, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> sorry. Goofy face. Uh, I gotta remember who I'm talking to. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so it's like, I actually had to go through speech therapy because, it's like, <laughs> um, Patois is the language that Jamaicans speak.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so I kind of, you know, my parents kind of let me talk the slang. I kind of was like, it wasn't like traditional patois because you know my family spoke english and had uh, even even my parents they spoke pig latin to each other so <laughs> cool you know so we kind of had our own little language but then like before i went to the workforce i'm like they's like okay he he has to learn like traditional english um and even though i grew up in rochester new york which is about six hours from new york city uh my family is, due to our background, I, it, it was as if, even though I grew up in Rochester, I still came from my own little island, if you will, because mm-hmm. my family is so different. And I had to learn, like, the, prof- the professional version of myself. So even, like, when I was, like, 18, f- family members would see me. And at work, where they'll notice my, 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 my uh, vocabulary chain, and it's like, you're different. Like, who are you? Hmm. And I'm like, you know, I, I got to work. Like, so it's kind of like I'm an Americanized. I'm like, I've become very Americanized. Yeah. And it's not a bad thing. It's just part of what needs, what needs to happen.
1: Part of your development.
0: Personally. And because I, because I took the route I took, I would get asked similar questions like okay you've worked in construction you've worked in a hospital okay why should we why should we hire you like I think sometimes when you don't have that straight trajectory I'm not saying that we lose credibility but some companies look at that and say okay what's up here you know right um and I think if you're able to sell yourself um I think that plays a role um but it's definitely a challenge to navigate that navigate that that process
1: i agree with you 100 and i actually have um i had a speech therapy thing when i was younger as well where i um you know was raised by my mom my mom who has a, a slide english africana accent this is a very africana accent but she had uh, <laughs> she says things like uber can you order oh, me okay. uber? and i'm like uber okay. there's an r at the end but because she dropped R's, i also dropped ours you know my my mm. her sister and my aunt would come through and say okay okay shani we want you to practice the rain in spain stays mainly on the plane and i had an accent growing up my brothers didn't but i did because i would listen and practice that and um i was in maybe second or third grade when they called my mom in for a meeting and they said hey you know shannon's has some speech therapy that we need to put her into because she doesn't she's a problem with her r's and um i would say things like water
0: Mm
1: -hmm. eva and the r's would become an uh at the end Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Uh, they had put me in speech therapy for it and then my mom came in and said i don't see the problem with Walter.
0: and <laughs> i would
1: they're like oh my gosh it's yeah. not a problem it's an accent but
0: yeah. if i
1: hadn't learned that i wouldn't i very likely wouldn't be able to do the voice acting and be able to enunciate the mm. way that we now you know mm-hmm. i right. i learned how to make an r sound you know by by Learning the, the the muscles and the facial expressions, the way that my face and body needs to be to make certain sounds, and that's how I ended up actually teaching a lot of my students. A lot of what I do is did was work on pronunciation. That was my favorite thing to work on. You know, distinguishing exactly. the R and the L, R, L, and D, even they, depending on what part of Asia you're in. But um, you know, showing showing fam- showing people how to move their face to make the sound and to get what they're looking for. I mean, you know, speech pathology is a whole different story, but um, mm. I understand where you're coming from with that um, learning, re not reinventing, but relearning your speech to be either acceptable or presentable in in where you want to be, you know?
0: Yeah, and to add to what you're saying, so like for me, So in Patois, a lot of times when we say, in in English, a person say ask. Like, let me ask you a question.
1: Are you asking me? In Patois, it's ax. Yep.
0: You know, ax, ask. Those are two different things. Like, you know, that's one thing I had to adjust. Um, Because, like, you know, I've been doing public speaking or presentations since I was 18. But, like, when you're in a public setting, people nitpick. And they catch those things. So it's like, I had to like, you know, I got the speech therapy, but sometimes every now and again, it is still come out. Right. Um, and I, you know, I have to catch myself if I'm around my peoples, if I'm around you know, friends or a casual situation. Um, and my friends make fun of me all the time. And they'll even like adopt some of my vocabulary. Um, they think it's hilarious.
1: The mannerisms. And
0: um, yeah, mannerisms and stuff. Yeah. Uh, And also, it's like, especially because, um, you know, I'm a man of color and things, I definitely take how I communicate, I'm not going to say over serious, but I do, I am cognitive of it, because it's like, I never want someone to be threatened by my speech, or, I remember one time, a guy, like, said something that was very, um, offensive, but I didn't, I didn't even react to it. And, you know, I think I, cause I was featured on, uh, Jackson's Jackson. I'm probably going to butcher his last name, Leo. I was on his podcast and he wanted to talk about some of the, um, prejudice that was happening. And he was asking me some of my experiences and stuff. But, um, basically the man said, quote unquote, he said, you probably can't read anyway. Like, that's what he said to me.
1: The face I'm making is not something that can be expressed through a microphone.